Our, all of our diseases, both mental and physical, are due to overconsumption. Whether we're overconsuming food, overconsuming entertainment. So if we want to regain and retain our strength, as men in particular, but all people, then we got to stop the consumption. And I think the best way to begin that process of returning to our true nature is to fast from food, yeah. stop eating. Counting macros is hard. Doing cardio is hard. Fasting is simple and easy. It's cool, I love it. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body, Mind, Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and our guest today is Elliot Hulse. Elliot is the founder and CEO of Strength Camp, which is a fitness business that not only teaches weightlifting, but also teaches you how to become the strongest version of yourself. Elliot, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sim. Yeah, it's uh, good to see you again. And last time we saw from fi- in face-to-face was in Chicago a few months ago in November, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, right. what, what have you been up to like, since that time? It's funny because I know we're going to be talking about fasting today. And it, as soon as I got home from Chicago in November, that's when I started experimenting with prolonged fasting. And so between, between then and now, uh, it has been a tremendous transformation in my body and in my life due to these big <laughs> chunks of days without eating. Right. Right. Yeah. You do look, look uh, quite different and you are much leaner, much more cleaner, <laughs> so to say that. Uh, what got you into this? Or why did you want to start uh, trying these uh, fasts? Well, it's funny because I first started fasting in 2002. And I did it as a spiritual fast. I became part of a spiritual community. And it was as soon as I joined, they were like, hey, by the way, this is our fasting month. And so I'm like, okay, I guess. And, you know, I had just finished playing college football and stuff. So I was, I was huge. Hmm. I was drinking protein shakes three times a day. <laughs> and here they are. And uh, they're like, well, uh, are you going to fast with us? And I was like, okay, yeah. So I did it. And so it was 19 days and it was sort of a little different where uh, it was no food and no water. So it was a dry fast, but from sunup to sundown. Right. And my life changed big time at the, at the time. My body changed and my life changed. I attributed it to a myriad of different things. You know, I was reading a lot of spiritual scripture at the time and praying a lot. And so, you know, there was a, there was a transformation of character and mind through that. But it wasn't until many years later that I began to realize the, the, the transformative effect that the fast itself had, not just on my body and how much weight I lost and how energetic I felt and how bright and aware my brain became, uh, that, um, that now so much new science, I mean, it's only been the past few years, all of a sudden science is interested in fasting. Back then, I didn't know what was going on. So, you know, 10 years later, I think like 2012, 2013, I started, you know, when uh, Warrior Diet came out, started messing with fasting again. And, uh, and I remember the great benefit that I had every year by doing the Baha'i fast. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that I was coming up on my 40th birthday and uh, I had started and, and failed at a few different attempts to transform myself. I just thought back to how rapidly and how 
uh, how extraordinary the transformation always had been when I would fast for that for that month for that 19 days. So I decided I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait to do a 19 day fast. I want to just start now. <laughs> and so in November I started. Out, I started out with a. The toughest part was learning how to go to bed without eating. Mm. So I did a couple. 36 hour fasts and then I pushed it to 48 and then I'd started doing three day and five day fasts, and it, it was a lot of fun. I love challenging myself and I didn't expect to lose nearly as much weight as I did as quickly as I did. I was actually a little astonished. I didn't, I never thought I would, I thought I'd lose like maybe 10, 15 pounds. I'm down like 40, wow. 40, 45 pounds. That's pretty awesome. And, uh, and the, the crazy thing is that it was, it's not like it was hard. Counting macros is hard. Hmm. Uh, doing cardio is hard. <laughs> uh, fasting is simple and easy. It's cool. Hmm. I love it. So, hmm. like, I'm ready. This is a lifestyle now. This is it. Uh, that's, uh, this is the way I'm living. Yeah, it, it is. It is so true that it's not just like a physical kind of practice. It is a lifestyle that you do. Kind of who would want to adopt into your life, and uh, you know, part of the reasons why those. You know, you mentioned those uh, spiritual um, uh, circles that they they uh, kind of promote fasting is also a part of the reason that it's gonna it's gonna implement these sort of periods of healing and uh, periods of abstinence into the person's modern life, so to say. That in the past, hunter gatherers they would you know naturally fast all the time and quite frequently. But you know, after after humans got more access to food, then you know their their comfort seeking simply didn't want to. You know, fast that voluntarily. So, uh, kind of putting it into this, you know, spiritual context, it helps the person to also kind of follow the certain rules that uh, allow them to, you know, voluntarily or uh, you know, deliberately go through these periods of abstinence. And you know, it heals the body, it heals the mind as well. And it is something that I do think it's almost like an in, invaluable part of uh, living in the modern world, where like there's so much temptation and there's like excess of uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, all of our diseases, both mental and physical, are due to overconsumption. Whether we're overconsuming food, overconsuming entertainment. And so, funny thing, this year I was introduced to red pill hmm. philosophy and I started reading Rollo Tomasi. And like a lot, of the, a lot of the young men that, I, uh, that subscribed to me, they were asking me lots of questions about like men going their own way and no fat. So, all this, they just started pouring all these questions with masculinity on me. Yeah. And so as I started delving into a lot of the guys that, that you know, that's their thing, mm -hmm. I began to realize how, of course, there are a myriad of different ways that the world feminizes us. But I think the number one way is by having us constantly in a state of overconsumption and that by eating, 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 you know, you like, I like to say that the, the nature of the sexes are found in the organs. Mm -hmm. And so the vagina is an absorption. It's a taking in uh, organ. That's what, that's what the feminine does. They consume. Mm -hmm. It's a consumptive energy. And so the more we're constantly shoving our mouth with food, the further and further we move away from the strength of our masculinity. So if we want to regain and retain our strength, as men in particular, but all people, mm -hmm. then we got to stop the consumption. And I think the mm -hmm. best way to begin that process of returning to our true nature is to fast from food, yeah. stop eating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also like you can see the same 
principle in uh, domestic animals you know the, the, in, in nature and like wild animals they are really alert they're not obese they're healthy and uh, fully functional and you know as soon as you put them into this confined setting and you start force feeding them then they develop disease and they are somewhat slothful and you know there's a there's a huge difference between a lion that's in a zoo and a lion that's in nature like although you know the the life of a lion in nature may be more dangerous and more uncertain it's still like more you know vibrant and it's definitely like a more healthier version of the lion that's in the zoo yeah and uh, what kind of uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe we can go through some of the methodologies or how did you fast during this time as well? Like uh, uh, maybe what kind of windows did you practice and uh, how did you train and what did you eat at that time? So uh, I jumped right in with doing 36-hour fasts because I've done, you know, 24-hour fast or OMAD in the past. And... Um, it was cool. It was good, but I was looking for a challenge also too. And I had never gone in my, I guess in my entire life, <laughs> I'm 39 years old. I've never gone to bed hungry. And you know, there are millions of starving children that go to bed hungry every single night. And I'm like, can I not go to sleep without eating? You know, so it, was, it was sort of like a little bit of a mental thing. Uh, and so I began with those and I was doing, uh, two to three. So basically every other day, every other day I go to bed without eating. That's how I really started to get to, started to get the ball rolling. When I was during the fast, uh, those fasting hours, I was drinking water. Uh, and I had always added some sea salt to my water, but I began adding a little bit of potassium as well, uh, because I didn't stop training and it was easy to keep training with these 36 hour fasts. Right. So, just water. Uh, I broke now in the beginning, back in like November and December, <laughs> I'd break the fast, but I was just gorging. I mean, I, I'd eat any and everything. I couldn't wait. And you know, one of the things I have a lot of in my house, which, uh, I was gorging a lot on was like nuts. And I just like, and I just start eating piles of nuts and then have a stomach ache. And then I'm <laughs> Drinking protein shakes and oh man, I felt horrible. So I learned very quickly that, uh, that <laughs> I've got to be mindful right. about how I break the fast in between. So once I started to get the ball rolling with the, with the every other, I call it no, I call it nomad. You know how you got nomad <laughs> one meal a day? I say yeah. nomad. So I'm doing nomad today. That means no meal today. Right. And so as I started getting rolling with the nomads and uh, learning how to, break my fast without gorging, I decided to start doing uh, three day and five days. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, this is all experiment for me. And like I said, I didn't realize how quickly I was going to drop weight. I was just testing the waters, mm -hmm. so to say. And so um, during those three day and then five days, which I would do like, you know, every other week, actually for a while there, I was doing three days every week. I was just going Monday, Wednesday, Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, and break on Thursday. I did that for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, while I was doing, uh, while I was doing those, I was mindful to break my fasts now with, uh, with more, uh, ketogenic, uh, and, and, um, and nutrient dense foods and staying away from the nuts and, you know, really looking to nourish myself a lot better during those times. That's when I, it's funny because you, or I say maybe around that time, that's when your book came out. And I remember uh, 
about a year ago, I started reading your, um, your keto cycle books. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I realized that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be fasting and I want to break these fast properly, I went right back to your old ebook and I, I started looking at that and I was like, all right, so <laughs> I got to keep the ketosis. I can't do the insulin spike thing. Um, it just doesn't, it, I, I have too many side effects right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if I, if I do like honey and white rice, <laughs> it, it, I'll start getting itchy and it's, it just doesn't work for me. So I'm trying to find out what, what carbs to break my fast with when I want to. I'm you know, still trying to figure that out. But, um, but I do feel great just keeping it high fat and high protein like I have been for years. So it's like, you know, just do it. You, you know, works. Right. Right, right. Yeah, that, it is so true. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not not kind of over. It, there isn't a, like a one size fits all solution to everyone, and uh, everyone fasts differently. Everyone eats the foods different foods, and yeah, it's very individual individualized. Uh, what kind of what kind of carbs have you been trying to uh, break the fast with? So uh, it's interesting because uh, I started getting into the work of Arnold Eric. And, uh, and I spent a good couple months studying his books, Rational Fasting, the, uh, the Mucosless Diet Healing System, and then I, and which led me to all these vegans and fruitarians, <laughs> even breatharians. I'm checking out these guys on YouTube and I'm like, my, I'm impressed by them. I'm like, I don't know how you do this. But I, I like the ideas, like like they mm. sound wonderful. Like yes, imagine you only need to eat fruit. Like that sounds great. It's cheap <laughs> and it's easy. And right. man, so I really, I guess maybe uh, January, February, uh, I started um, delving into that work, and I came across a lot of guys that use uh, fasting and uh, vegetarian or vegan and and fruit based diets in order to heal because I knew that as my birthday was approaching, I, one of my goals this year, and I still got time is to heal myself of a lot of a lot of the autoimmune stuff that I'm dealing with. Like, you know, like I was mentioning before the itching and the dandruff and I got some skin problems. And so, uh, before, before going into my, my 10 day, which is my longest extended fast, I was filling myself, my mind with all these ideas. And even though I couldn't do it just yet, you know, you've asked about carbs, like, you know, they were saying, like, eat a lot of bananas and a lot of vegetables and like, you know, fill up on these carbs, <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on these fruit, fruit based or, uh, or plant based mm-hmm. foods, eat watermelon. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds great. <laughs> so knowing that I couldn't do it because of the autoimmune, the, the skin, the inflammation mm-hmm. that I get from it. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, um, I'm going to do a 10. I, I was going to do 21 days, but I ended up breaking. I talk about that later. But I, I was going to do an extended fast and then start eating vegetables and fruits and higher starch things, you know, because prior to that, I wasn't. I just wasn't, you know, to answer your question. I just I stayed away from it because I know what happens. It's bad news. <laughs> and so uh, I went 10 days starting in the first of March and I did well. I made some mistakes. We can talk about that later. But when I decided to break after on the 11th day, I was like, okay, 
I'm going to try, I'm going to go vegan for a week. I was going to go vegan for a longer time, but after a week, I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I went vegan for a week. And so I broke my fast with, uh, with a bunch of salad, cooked carrots, um, uh, cooked beans and broccoli. And then I started adding chickpeas, which are high in carbs, and sweet potatoes. And so for like two, three days, I'm eating, I'm eating all this. It's, I needed a lot of calories because, you know, that's low-calorie mm. stuff. But I'm eating all this, like, high-starch stuff. Like, I was having fruits. Uh, uh, what kind of fruits was I eating? I was eating oh, bananas and apples. I was eating a bunch of – well, berries don't bother me too much. Mm. So I, was eating, I was eating all that stuff. I was being a fruitarian. I was being a vegan. So I was a vegan for two, two three days, and I was okay. By the third day, I'm getting foggy-headed. The rashes are coming back. I'm feeling horrible. I'm like, oh, man, this is, I can't do it. So I pushed it out, uh, and I'm getting chubby too, which is crazy. So um, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to retain water. I was super lean after my 10 days. I'm starting to retain water. I'm getting foggy-headed. The rashes are starting to come back. I'm getting grumpy. I'm waking up heavy in the morning, which while I was fasting, I was waking up bright in the morning. Mm. Um, and so by the seventh day, I was just sick with myself. And I was like, I can't, this is not working for me. It's so funny because right about that time, uh, I started looking on YouTube for vegan bodybuilders. I'm like, I don't know how they do it. These guys must know something I don't know. So I'm, I'm looking at all the videos and 90% of them are, they're soft. And I'm like, they're vegan bodybuilders, these kids, but they're soft and they're eating a lot of processed food mm -hmm. and, and I'm just shaking my head and I'm like, I, this is impossible. This doesn't make any sense. This is not going to work, but I was hopeful. I was still mm -hmm. hopeful until I got a phone call from a friend who I hadn't spoken to in a couple of years, probably a year or so. And she, uh, she and I went to college together and she was a shot putter. She was always jacked. <laughs> shot putter, she threw discus. She's a beast. And uh, a few years later, you know, after college, she and I met up. She started doing strongman too. And she's lifting stone. She's winning competitions and stuff. And then about uh, two years ago, she goes vegan. And I was like, wow, okay, cool, good for you. Now, here I am after going vegan for a week, watching all these YouTube videos, getting soft and frustrated myself. And she calls me and I'm like, hey, Gina, how are you doing? And she says, oh, you wouldn't believe it. I was in and out of hospitals and going to the doctor and I was having all these problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, what happened? She's like, apparently vegan doesn't work for strong athletes like me. That's not the way she said it, but she's like, because well, yeah, she's still trying to do straw man. She's right. like, apparently vegan is not a good idea for me. I started eating meat again and I'm feeling great. And so right then and there, I, I put my foot down. I was like, all right, that's it. I can't do this. This is, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> God is showing me all the different signs that, being a vegan athlete just ain't for me. So uh, here I am back to eating high fat, high carbs. Uh, I mean, sorry, high fat, moderate protein, low carb. Mm. And, uh, and right now I'm still trying to figure out what carbs. I try to, I try to do maybe 150, mm -hmm. 100, 150 grams once a week, right. which, I, you know, which I probably don't even need to do. I just want to do. Mm. Uh, but I still haven't found anything that works. So unless I go through a healing, which it might take me a 20 or a 30 day fast, which I'm prepared to do, just 
I'm going to wait. Uh, I just, I, can't, I have to stay away from it. Right, right. Yeah, it is quite interesting. And uh, a few things I want to point out is that, yeah, if you are going, go under, starting to go for like a really long fast, then the best thing to do before that is definitely not to have like a bunch of carbs. <laughs> so, because, uh, you know, if you are, it's, 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 you know, um, I, I believe like you can probably tell from a personal experience as well that fasting in ketosis or on a keto diet is definitely much easier than fasting on a high carb diet because like uh, you're already going to stay in the therapeutic zone of ketosis with like lower carb intake and uh, you won't suffer that much during the initial kind of shift. So that's like I always recommend people to like if they are going for longer fast than uh, eating mm -hmm. keto or low carb before that a few days at least is going to be much uh, helpful for uh, transitioning over into it uh, much faster. And yeah, you, you, you didn't have like any, you mentioned some autoimmune issues from some carbs and uh, but uh, you didn't have like any serious health concern that made you want to you know uh, go for a long fast you simply wanted to fast uh, as a way of uh, losing fat and uh, also preparing for your upcoming birthday or such oh, am i right no i did want to heal i want oh, okay. i want to heal from these goddamn skin conditions <laughs> <laughs> right my skin's all fucked up man <laughs> i get like i get rashes on my elbows and in my knees and then i i maybe the past year or so I've been getting really bad dandruff. Mm. And it's funny when I don't eat, when I fast, it goes away. Mm. No problem. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, even, it's quite interesting that you usually something, some uh, autoimmune issues, uh, they all kind of ori originate from the gut. So uh, maybe looking into some form of maybe taking like a bacteria test as well, looking at uh, if you have like maybe potentially a small intestine bacterial overgrowth or something like that. Yeah. That's, that's something to kind of look into. <laughs> what, what was interesting is uh, as I started doing the more prolonged fasting and, uh, and looking into healing, I started, uh, I came across the idea of doing salt water flushes mm. and, uh, and enemas. And so I was like, okay, cool. Cause uh, I wanted to give that a try, you know, when I can clean out my body and, so uh, during the 10 days, uh, I was doing enemas in the beginning. And then towards the end, like day eight, day nine, I, I was doing some flushes. And it was crazy because while the first few days while I was doing the enemas, you know, I, by the time I get to like the third or fourth day, like th there wasn't much coming out. There was a little bit, but there was not that much debris coming out. I figured, especially after not eating and doing enemas, that by day, day 10, or actually it was the morning of day 11, that if I did a flush, there would be nothing there. You know, there'd go, oh, there's nothing mm. in there. And it turns out that even after doing a bunch of enemas and 10 days of not eating on day 11, there was still a bunch of debris that was coming out in the toilet. So I'm pretty confident that I've got a lot more cleansing to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's quite interesting, yeah, that uh, there is definitely like uh, a lot of food, you know, because the part of the reason is that people eat uh, a bunch of food every day and they don't really fast at all. So it, uh, it kind of clogs up in the, in the intestines, definitely. Like, even if you think that you're eating a healthy diet and eating clean, then, you know, imagine that most of the food, um, it may not get, you know, fully eliminated, especially like uh, plants and fiber and such, you know, you probably aren't. Uh, absorbing all of the plants that you eat and uh, you know the, the, it still gets sim simply accumulated there 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> How did you, did you train during this time as well, or uh, did you take a, like a breather? <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my biggest mistake uh, during the ten days. And so, like I said, I planned. I wanted to go twenty-one days. I wanted to go forty days if I could. You know, that was a lot of ego. That was my Jesus ego thinking that I could, <laughs> I'm gonna do be like Jesus and, and do forty days, but nope. Uh, I, the first, the like the first three days. The first, let me tell you how dumb I am. The first day, I did my normal workout at a beast workout because you know I'd eaten the day before, and I'm like, ah, I'm going into it. it's my first day of, of fasting. I did a beast workout then. I went into my backyard and I'm, I'm, I'm planting some new bamboo mm-hmm. uh, and I want to put a bamboo fence in the back. And so uh, I got to dig a really deep ditch across the back and I have to put this barrier. And so there I am. I just did a workout. I'm in the backyard. The sun's beating on my back. I'm digging ditches. <laughs> the next day, I think I, you know, I may have did something. I worked out again on, on Wednesday by Thursday, which I guess was like maybe day four. <laughs> I was I was hurting so bad. I went for a walk and I could barely, I could barely walk. I re- I totally overdid it, and so uh, I I stopped training right after that. So like the first three, three four days, I beat the crap out of myself. Then I had no choice. I had to stop. In fact, I ended up spending hours mm. the next few days just laying in my hammock. I just mm. I had to lay down. I, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. then when uh, I, I, the day that I broke the fast, we had, it was spring break for my kids, which is another thing, you know, I, I think the next time I do this, I got to make sure that I have nothing planned. Yeah. Spring break for the kids. And we took them to Disney the first time, you know, my kids, my daughter's 15 and we haven't taken them there. We live in Florida, never been to Disney. So here we go. We're going to go to Disney. And uh, on, on day 11, where I had spent, we were there for a good 12 hours. Walking around in the sun, waiting online, and by the end of that day, I, I knew I was dehydrated, and I was burnt out. I was like dragging my feet walking, and, uh, and I realized at that point, okay, I got to break this fast, and mm. so uh, that's when I broke the fast. Mm. Yeah. What, what, what are you like eating now then uh, after having gone through it? So for the past few weeks, I just went back to the good old tried and true uh, of eating mostly keto like ketogenic uh, you know i, I got to keep my carbs between mm-hmm. 10 and 5 and 15 percent you know mostly fats um what i have done have been doing differently i've got i, I got i learned a few really cool new tricks and tips from your metabolic autophagy book mm-hmm. which you know great book and thank you for sending it to me <laughs> so uh although i was doing um like omad now so, for example, I'll like I time my meals more differently. I try I time my meals around my workout, and, my, and I usually work out in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I ate last night, and then I worked out this morning, and then I ate this morning. But then I'm going to go all night, all the rest of the day today through tomorrow, and then break fast tomorrow night. So I'll get like a 36 hour fast. Mm-hmm. And what's what's different is I was doing these thirty six hour fasts and just working out and not eating. Now I jam the food right up against my workout, and then I get a thirty six, mm-hmm. and then I get food right again around my workouts. And mm-hmm. so I got that uh, from looking at 
at least the idea came to me while I was reading some, some of the mm. stuff in your book. Um, and also too, I started, while I was reading your book, I also read uh, The Longevity Solution by mm. um, uh, Jason Fung. Yeah. And I just learned about mTOR, mm. you know? So reading your book and reading that, I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I don't need to be eating nearly as much protein. So, uh, you know, I make sure I keep my proteins like around 150, which I wasn't eating that much more than that, but now I'm cognizant of it. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm. I don't need to eat more than that. So, you know, between 125 and 150 protein uh, from metabolic autophagy, I, I learned about uh, low mTOR and <laughs> different like the mTOR capacities of the food. So I've been rotating, you know, so I don't always do like the moderate mTOR. I'll like throw... I'll be, I'm just more conscious hmm. of having more like low mTOR foods and uh, some of the AMPK and auto, autophasic stimulating foods, just more <laughs> aware of those. And I try to throw that stuff into my, into my rotation. Right. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, sounds like cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, uh, I would imagine it uh, works quite well that uh, having a post-workout meal and still getting like a long fast after that as well. So yeah, I would I would always imagine that it's better to have some calories as a post-workout meal because your body will be more readily available to absorb them and use them for uh, like recovery and muscle growth. So yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to like you know, what your results are going to be because so far you've been seeing some uh, amazing results, I see. Yeah, definitely. Mm. How has like, you know, you've been doing this for a few months and uh, how has like fasting changed you as a, like a person have you seen any differences? You know, I've been really focused on the physical benefits of fasting for this, for this period of time. But prior to it, and every time I, I fasted prior to this, it has been for metaphysical gains. Because that's how I learned about it. And, like, again, like, your book is great, but all the research that you, you cite just came out. It's like... Yeah. They, they didn't have this research like three, four, five years ago. Mm. So there was really not that much to go off of. I think um, Eat, Stop, Eat by Brad Pilon was the first like scientific book that I read about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've experienced the metaphysical gains that are associated with it, which, you know, are like steadfastness. I think that's my mm. new favorite word because it has mm. the word fast in it. <laughs> Steadfast. I think I'm going to do something with that word. I'm going to make good something. One. Good one, yeah. Steadfast, which is like, you know, that firmness mm. and that commitment and that discipline. Uh, while I was fasting, I recognize, well, yeah, I guess I have to say that I did recognize quite a, quite a bit during my 10 day fast. Uh, that level of objectivity that's only available when you're not fully engaged with the flesh, where I could see myself. I could see my emotions rise before they came out or like, yeah. or not even where they came out because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious and I try to remain stoic, but even before they reach the level of physical excitation, I think because the body is so tired in a lot of ways, like, you know, mm -hmm. there are times where I'm fasting and I'm like, especially after beating myself up those first few days where I'm just like, I'm super tired. And so like maybe my wife or one of my children or one of my uh, employees will do something or say something that normally like I'd be like <laughs> where while I was like super tired I 
I would hear it, and in my mind, I'd be like, "You're an asshole," uh, but then, but I, but I'm not mad. I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm. So I think there was something where this, um, there's sort of like this separation between, or this space between stimulus and response that widens, mm. where I'm not nearly as reactive. Mm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely noticed that as well, and I, I like to call it. Uh, it's more of like a. Uh, yeah, it builds up the space that you can uh, create a better response to everything that happens and you kind of become detached from uh, on the stimulus. Like uh, part of the reason has to do that you're kind of limited in energy and you become more mindful of what goes on inside mm -hmm. your body. And uh, part of it also like is that you, you know, mentally or psychologically lose the attachment to everything uh, material. Like you mentioned that, you know, after, you know, during, usually it happens around like day three or day four where you kind of flips this mental switch that, okay, everything is okay. I don't care that I, I don't care that I don't, I don't get to eat. Uh, I don't care that I'm tired. I don't care that, uh, you know, uh, my body is breaking down to a certain extent. It's a good thing because it's eliminating all the waste material. And you don't, you don't care that if, you know, that some, some people are like assholes or, or whatever it is, like you, you, you lose all this attachment to material things, whether that be like food, uh, you know, sex and uh, money and, uh, you know, these attachments. And it's a really kind of interesting experience that it's fascinating for me. It's almost like a meditation that you are really like detached and you're looking at things at a bigger perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also became very fascinated with, uh, with Christian orthodoxy. And so apparently the, you know, the original church, the Eastern Orthodox, they fast up to like 200 days <laughs> a year. I mean, they're, wow. they fast twice a week. They've got these, uh, these periods of fasting. And so I, I wanted to learn more about their ascetic practices. I was like, mm. what are these guys doing? Um, and why do they fast this much? And so I, I found some really fascinating books. One, which I would recommend for anybody who's going to go through an extended fast. It's a small book called The Way of Ascetics, written by a, you know, an Eastern Orthodox Christian. And Every day I would, just I would just read one page and a lot of it is about being stoic. It's about discipline. It's about steadfastness. It's about detachment. It's about um, being humble. It's about fasting. There's a whole chapter in there where each one is about fasting. So as I would read those and then meditate on them, they also uh, they aided me in my ability to remain detached throughout the fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why. Fasting has been practiced by all these ancient monks or uh, these uh, spiritual warriors uh, as a mean of not only you know uh, promoting health but also as a means of developing discipline and uh, cultivating these aspects of you know being able to say no to these these temptations and such. So yeah, there is definitely a huge uh, mm -hmm. you know, mental development that also occurs because you know although it it is easier to not you know eat anything and to say no to all of those. Uh, calories and such but at the same time it's also sometimes it's more difficult to fast you know you know some people simply you know they say that you can't out exercise a bad diet but you can definitely you know uh, make more room for calories by exercising a lot and uh, becoming like this sort of a uh, bunny who's running on a treadmill so to say <laughs> and you know sometimes it's actually you know on a personal development level then uh, it actually is much more difficult to say no and to abstain from all of those things and fast instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. What, what else have you been uh, kind of interested in uh, recently? You mentioned, you know, these uh, last interests that you've been t- in delved into. Well, this whole year has been almost like a resurgence of my own inner masculine, where like I've been a mentor to men my whole life. I'm the oldest of, of boys, mostly boys, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. I was always the, the leader of the pack and mm. captain of the team. And so my whole life, pro strong, man, I mean, it, my whole life has been about leading men and between age 36 and 39, like these past three years, I would say that I've gone into a tunnel and there was a tremendous amount of healing that needed to happen for me metaphysically, you know, in my soul. Mm. Um, I had to confront weaknesses. Let me put it that way. There were a lot of weak parts of myself. I would even say feminized parts of myself that I didn't recognize were there. And, um, and so these past three years have, have, have given me ample time and room to heal those aspects of myself, to bring them to the forefront. And to, when I say heal, I mean look, be able to look at myself objectively and acknowledge my sins, acknowledge my weaknesses, and confront them and, and then work through them. This past year, leader, literally since April of last year, which we're moving into April of this year, which is like one full birthday year for me, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden it's like I'm coming back to life. And so it's, it's fascinating because I was aware of the concept and I experienced it many times in my life, but I think never to this extreme degree that life is literally about rising, death, and rebirth. I mean, that's really the story of Christ. You know, that's why I call Christ the sun. You know, the sun. The sun comes, that its zenith, shining bright. Yo, Elliot. And then, you know, makes its way down and... I think that if I am to be the mentor that I know I'm called to be in this life and to, and to work, with, work with the development and the strengthening and the empowerment of men, then I, I needed to go through my own bullshit. I needed, to get, I needed to purge myself of my own weaknesses. And so I'm glad to be beyond that. And what I find so fascinating and fun is now that my alphaness, <laughs> if I can call it that, Alpha Elliot is back in a, in a, in a very powerful way. Um, I'm into all kinds of new, new cool shit. Like, you know, um, me and some guys were shooting some semi-automatic guns and going deep sea fishing and, uh, and, and reading books and going to, I'm going, I'm going to be speaking at the 21 convention, which is all, is, is an all men's convention. And it's, mm-hmm. this one's about fathers. Another thing that's been huge for me in terms of regaining and stepping firm into my new masculinity uh, at age 40 uh, is being a father. And I've been a father since I was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I started having children when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, so I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing whatever life brings to me. And so, you know, I got, I got to where I am in a lot of, with a lot of unconsciousness. And just this past year, I've become more conscious of what it means to be a father and to be a patriarch, even though my oldest is 15 years old. So that has been huge for me. And so a lot of the books that I consume, um, and a lot of the ideas that I love speaking about revolve around masculinity and fatherhood and, and fasting fits right in there with it. 
because it's such an ascetic practice. And you know, this is men that are practice ascetics are men that are looking that are that are aiming to strengthen their own resolve, their own steadfastness, their own detachment. All the masculine virtues are available through fasting. Mm. So I think it fits right into it. It's almost like the icing. It's the icing on the cake. I found red pill and I, dis- I discovered what MGTOW means and I, you know, I, I see the value in it. Uh, I became a, a Donald Trump fan this year. <laughs> I wasn't sure at first because I was beta. Right. But then I started looking at the guy and I'm like, my dad's super alpha. And, uh, and I resented him as a kid growing up because of that. Because you know I grew up in American public schools and so uh, I, started, I started taking an honest look at him and I'm like, why does everybody hate this guy? And he reminded me of my dad. And I was like, ah, it's because this guy is so alpha that he just pisses people off. Right. And so uh, I had all, I, politically, you know, I think politics is a game. I enjoy it. I enjoy it just because I think it's fun. Um, I don't get emotionally attached to it, although people just, they do. So they, like a lot of them hate me because I think Donald Trump's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but politically, I've almost all—I've always been conservative, but libertarian conservative, meaning like, meaning libertarian, meaning give me my freedom or give me my death, and I'll give you your freedom, and you just stay out of my way. You know, just kind of like let's let's play fair and leave leave each other alone. Uh, so. But when, uh, so I was a libertarian when, uh, or, and a conservative, I had to become a Republican when Ron Paul was running in 2008, 2012. And I loved Ron Paul. He was all about ending the Fed. And, uh, and yeah, it was, I was a big Ron Paul fan. But then when Obama was uh, reelected for the second time, I was like, ugh, <laughs> fuck this. And that's really like when I went into my beta mode, I was like, Hmm. we got another woman in office. (laughs) 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 It's Obama. Oh God, he's beta as hell. Hmm. And so I think that, I think at that point I was like, forget it. And I went into my, I think it's when I, at that time I went down into my feminine tunnel. And then, so when I came back out and Donald Trump was president, I was like, oh, this is great. The whole world is becoming alpha again. So Hmm. let's go. Right. Yeah, I think uh, it is true. And, uh, you know, some people may kind of get the misunderstanding about alphaness and betaness, so to say that they think that being alpha is, you know, all about this destructive energy, but in reality is actually, you know, uh, like a creative force that simply requires to be uh, like steadfastness and requires discipline mm-hmm. and self-control and so on. So yeah, fasting definitely cultivates those characteristics perfectly. And it's you know fasting itself isn't like a you know powerful it, it isn't like over energized state you are like limited from the energy and it, that that is also maybe like a true form of an alphaness that you don't over express yourself just for the sake of doing it so to say like expo- exploding uh, just for the sake of it you are mm-hmm. kind of being more mindful about your energy and uh, you're also like somewhat controls in this sense that you you possess the power but you're not going to unleash it just for the sake of it you know yeah, that's been huge for me in this whole healing process. Like I've been, always been an explosive and an expressive guy ah, because I can be. I yeah. can jump high, I can throw things, and I shout. And, I, and so I, 
that has done good things for me, but I also recognize how ungrounded and unmasculine that I have been in that. Even though I could tear somebody to shreds because I was so aggressive, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not generative. It's not alpha. Mm-hmm. It, and so uh, these, these, this, these past few years, I've grounded myself much more. Again, fasting, you're so true. You're so right, mm-hmm. bro. It's like, it's that grounding practice, energetic grounding. I've taught bioenergetics and I've done, you know, active meditation, these things to sort of purge and relax. But to be completely honest, I'm finding that fasting is the most powerful bioenergetic uh, Mm. practice that I've engaged in. I don't need to do nearly as much as I did before. Even meditation, I don't, I don't, I still meditate, but I don't have to do it nearly as much. And if I don't, I'm still okay if I'm fasting. Mm, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's, it's funny that, you know, uh, the process of fasting, you know, triggers the, proce- the, uh, triggers the pathway of autophagy. So autophagy also translates into self-eating. And uh, in mythology, there's this creature called the Ouroboros, or the mm. snake that is biting its own tail. And that, that literally is like the mascot for autophagy and the fasting, that in order to become like a more transformative version of yourself, the new version of yourself, then you have to eat yourself and you have to go through the process of autophagy and uh, kind of destroy the old and uh, broken down version of yourself and these other parts that are simply holding you down. And then you can become reborn into like a newer version. So it's the autophagy (laughs) process is like, it's not only like physical, it's a definitely like uh, some uh, psychological transformation is definitely a huge part of it. Yeah, that's cool. uh, but, but how do you kind of see yourself, you know, uh, coming up in the upcoming uh, years and the months? You mentioned some events and such, but what, what else is in your, on your radar as a, like, um, you know, inspirer of men and being like the alpha of, of other, other men as well? Well, uh, fasting is a big part of it. It has to be. And it's so funny because uh, when I started going into the tunnel, when I started going into my dark season, the first thing, it's, it's crazy, because the first thing that came to my mind right as I started going to that season was, Elliot, you need to fast, and you need to fast for a long time. And it's crazy because I, I second-guessed myself at that time, and so I, like, I brought it up. I, had, like, I hired coaches, and I was talking to them, and you know, I had a mentor, and I brought it up, and they all told me, no, 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 don't do that. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. And so I, I ignored my soul. And I think that's a big part of why I suffered. Because I think if I would have fasted when I was being called to fast rather than listening to other people, maybe I would have come out a little bit sooner or learned a little bit more. But, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to. But now on my, it's so funny because now on my way back up, it's like God once again is like, hey, are you going to fast now? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I guess it's fasting. So um, making fasting a, a, a lifestyle, bro. I, don't, I can never see going back to anything less than, uh, than, than fasting. No one should ever eat more than one meal a day. I, I don't think I'd ever go back to that, you know, unless it's just like Christmas or something and I feel like yeah. eating. But otherwise, it's like, so fasting for myself, I've been doing grounding camp, which has evolved into... One of the things our ancestors understood with regard, and all of our ancestors, regardless of the culture, regardless of the religion, understood about the maturing masculinity is that there needed to be a clear and official demarcation 
that that indicated a death and rebirth or an evolution from boyhood to manhood and then from manhood to middle adulthood and and so on and so forth i found that every 12 years this was once told to me and now it's been my experience uh every 12 years which is interesting because i have more 24 year olds following me than any other age it's so funny because whenever i poll the audience how many people here are 24 there's always a significant amount of 24 year olds which tells me that you know every 12 years there is sort of you go into another hero's journey and so there you're called to action you know you're usually 24 year olds are confused about what do i do next who am i what do i want i know at 36 i went through it again it's like exactly at 36 i was like who am i what am i doing what do i want and so uh, I call that a life path initiation. And so it happens all throughout our lives. But our ancestors understood that, uh, that men that were, particularly men, because it's a bit different for women than their psychology, but particularly for men, especially as we're moving into adulthood, which, you know, adulthood just happens later and later and later in our culture, uh, there needs to be a initiation, a rites of passage, an honoring, a recognition, a process and mentorship to see one's way through that phase and so that's what grounding camp has evolved into and uh even though it started out as something else i know that this is what i was called to the reason why i was called to do it and uh and fasting is now mm. going to be a part of it in fact i'm going to do a five day uh five day grounding camp immersion in uh in September, we just we just booked the place where we're going to do five days of fasting for the entire initiation mm. period. Wow. Yes, <laughs> sounds interesting. And you know, the initiation itself is also like uh, yeah, you mentioned the hero's journey, and it's uh, kind of it requires the same process of autophagy <laughs> on a on a personal level. It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned the it's coming in September. Is 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 that the only event? coming this year so in june uh coming up in just a couple of months here we have a, a three-day grounding camp uh that's happening in upstate new york mm -hmm. and it's at this grounding camp the guys who are coming don't know this but if they're watching this they'll find out that i'm going to introduce some intermittent fasting you know and i kind of sensed this earlier this year i did i did a grounding camp in um in january and it was in Texas. And I fasted because, you know, I had already started fasting. And I began to recognize that, you know, we do a lot of exercises. We do a lot of, it's, it's a workshop and it's a, lot, it's a lot of physical stuff, but it's also a lot of metaphysical stuff. We're, we're spending a lot of quiet time. We do fasting from talking and things like that. But I began to realize that these guys are stuffing their faces three times a day in between, you know, we're trying to do some deep spiritual work. And it almost seems like every time we eat we go it's like we take two steps forward and then we take a step back and so now they're digesting so you know we we're getting somewhere but now they're digesting and then you know we were it was in texas and you know texans they eat a lot of mexican food so they're eating beans and shit and guys are farting during the meditation thinking <laughs> it plays out so this this next one in june that we're gonna do we're fasting you know so it's a, it's going to be a part of the initiation. So I have that in June, September, I have Florida, and then I might do something, I'm thinking in like Arizona or California, 
maybe in December. But as far as grounding camp, uh, that's that's what's going on for this year. Mm, nice, nice. Where can people uh, learn more about it? Groundingcamp.com. Okay, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been talking, and it's, it was good to see you again. So we'll start wrapping up the podcast as well. So uh, before I ask my last question, what's this one piece of, uh, or sorry, where can people learn more about you? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I'm going to start uploading on YouTube again. I've been doing it a little bit, you know, here and there. I, you know, there was a time when I was uploading three times a day. That's when my channel was growing really fast. So uh, definitely look me up on YouTube. I got two channels, Strength Camp, and then I have Elliot Hulse. Mm. And then uh, I'm pretty vocal on Instagram. So you can find me at Elliot Hulse on Instagram. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, my last question is, uh, what's this one piece of advice or a habit you wish you adopted sooner that improved your body and your mind? Uh, I wish I would have read Metabolic Autophagy <laughs> earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm so excited about all the news. And you did a great job with all the research and the resources, dude. I, I'm so proud. I, I, really, I honestly mean it. Like, I love your book. Um, and, and then also, too, you know, a lot of the new resources that have been coming out. But I wish I would have had the backing of, of all the science that's now out that proves that fasting must be done. And that it's so good. You know, I, I, I second-guessed myself in the past. I knew that fasting was good experientially, but I stopped myself. And I think it had a lot to do with my ego. It just needed more, more information. And now that all the science is out there and guys like you and Jason Fong and others are, are bringing the research together and, and putting together great books, uh, I, wish I, would have, I, I wish that would have, was available maybe five years ago. And maybe I would have been here faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that you liked it, and you, you, your work has also been like a huge inspiration. So, thank you for that as well. So, you, you have done your work <laughs> definitely in my own example. Yeah, I know, man. Well, thank you. That's good, and yeah, well, thanks for the coming to the podcast, and uh, we'll probably see each other in the future sometimes. You got it, brother. It's always been a pleasure, and keep up the great work. All right, thanks. Alright, that's it for this episode of the Body, Mind and Format podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can now order my new book, Metabolic Autophagy, that covers a lot of the same topics that we talked in here. It's a collection of certain lifestyle habits and practices that prioritize longevity as well as performance. To support this podcast, you can also become a Patreon and get exclusive video lectures from my biohacking bootcamp that covers circadian rhythms, intermittent fasting, autophagy, resistance training, biofeedback, and many more. But other than that, my name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.